Welcome to our study of the book of Hebrews. Here on the Radio Bible Course, we have been studying chapter 1, which gives us a majestic opening, presenting Jesus as the unique and supreme prophet of God, as the unique person possessing the nature of God, and his uniqueness in his work of making purification for sins. Obviously, there is no one like Jesus Christ. Following the opening to the chapter, the author presents Jesus as superior to the angels. This begins with verse 4 and continues through chapter 2, which we have not yet come to. This book devotes 28 verses to give Jesus Christ his proper place over angels, which are the greatest of God's created beings. The writer wants to give the Hebrew Christians a renewed look at Jesus. They apparently had come to Jesus Christ, seeing him only as a limited Savior, not as the God who saves completely. To them, he was a way, not the way to God. Isn't it significant that early Christians referred to their faith in Christ as the way? Three times in the book of Acts, the hope in Christ that resulted in a dependence on Christ alone for salvation apart from the religion of the Jews was referred to as the way. I like that. And had not Jesus taught this very thing when he said, I am the way? obviously, the way to God. I am the truth, the truth of God. I am the life, the life of God, he did in John 14:6. If there is any other way for men to come to God, then Jesus was a maniac and has misled more people than any other person in history. But he gave undeniable proof that he was the only way to God when God raised him from the dead and he was seen by the disciples, by the apostles, and by over more than 500 people at one time. The writer to the Hebrews offers even more proof, the kind of proof which a Hebrew needed and could not deny. And that proof was the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures. He does that here in chapter 1 exalting the Son of God far above angelic beings. In this first chapter, we saw that the author of Hebrews first compares Jesus with angels. Why? Were angels in competition with Jesus for honor? No, angels know the glory of Jesus Christ, and they serve and worship him. But angels in the Old Testament days were supreme among created beings, and they played a constant role in the affairs of men as messengers of God. They filled the throne room of God. There were myriads in number. They carried God's messages to man. They played a role in historic events and even controlled nature. There were guardian angels, destroying angels, ministering angels, and recording angels. Their character was holy. Their activity was submissive. Their domain was heaven. All in Israel were awed by the angel of the Lord. Angels had great knowledge, superior mobility, and immortality. 
The fact that they were dispatched by God to Moses on Mount Sinai enhanced the character of the Old Testament law. They added to the significance of the law, but how do they compare with Jesus? The author emphasizes, first of all, the superior name of Jesus, and then, thirteen times he will uphold Jesus as superior by the use of the word better. And later he is going to tell us about a superior covenant established by Jesus, by a resurrection, by a priesthood, by a hope, by better promises, and by his better sacrifice. And now, friends, if you have your Bible, turn to chapter 2 of Hebrews, where we have a wonderful opening here in the first four verses. I'm reading from verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his own will. This chapter begins with a therefore, and as you may have already learned, whenever you see a therefore, go back to what was written before it to see why he says therefore. It refers back to what he has just said, and here it refers, refers back to chapter 1, where Jesus is proven to be superior to angels by Old Testament quotations with these conclusions. Jesus has a better name. He's a son. In contrast, angels serve. Jesus is to be worshipped. Angels worship him. Jesus is promised a throne. Angels serve at the throne. Jesus was anointed above his comrades. Angels are below that level. Jesus is creator, but angels are created. Jesus is eternal. All creation, however, is temporary. And Jesus, at God's right hand, sits there in the place of honor. But angels do his bidding. Now, since the above is true, pay attention to the message of the gospel, is what the writer is saying here in the opening of chapter 2. Now, what have we heard? He said we ought to pay attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. Well, I suppose we ask, what had they heard? Well, they must have heard some of the things that Jesus taught, and what did he teach? Well, he said to one very prominent Jew, except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus taught about a new birth, and I imagine these Hebrews knew about that. I think they also were told about what Jesus said about Moses and the serpent in the wilderness, how Jesus said, as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
I think they probably heard some teaching that Jesus had once said, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. I'm sure the word was spread to all the disciples that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. There were many other things that these people had already heard. They knew about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the writer said, Pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, what does the writer mean by lest we drift away from it? He may be using the word drift or in the King James, I think it's slip away from it, in a nautical sense, such as we have in chapter 6, verse 19, where the writer says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain. So he's looking at Jesus here as the anchor that will not slip, that holds us, that secures us to heaven. The writer's language reminds us of a ship on a river as it approaches a port of safety and rest. What is required aboard that ship to make sure that the boat doesn't slip by the port? Well, they drop an anchor. Now, it is so easy to hear the message but fail to act on it, and the writer seems to know that. And he's afraid they'll slip away from it, and he warns that there might be some pretenders there who have not really believed it. They have heard it, but they're not doing anything about it. Well, in verse 2, he explains, For if the message declared by angels was valid and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. What is he talking about that came by angels? What was the message? The law came by angels. When you read the account of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, however, you don't read anything about angels, and we have assumed that there was direct communication from God to Moses. And the writer here doesn't attempt to prove that angels did deliver that law, but the Jews knew this. A hint of this was found in Deuteronomy 33, verse 2. And this is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on Israel. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones from the south, from his mountain slopes. The last clause of this verse, in the Greek translation of those Hebrew scriptures, 
and that translation is known as the Septuagint, reads this way, At his right hand were angels with him. That implies there were angels at Sinai. But again we have a passage, a similar passage in Psalm 68, verse 17. It reads, The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. This implies, again, that angels were at Sinai with God. But the New Testament teaches this more directly, for in Galatians 3.19, Paul writes, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Paul clearly tells us that the giving of the law came through angels. We'll have more to say about this in our program Monday. Some people have asked about our radio Bible course. Well, it's an independent Bible teaching ministry of laymen in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It is supported by friends and listeners. Because of volunteers, it has no payroll, and all gifts are used to defray ministry expenses. Its courses will especially benefit Bible class teachers and pastors, but are easily understood by those not well acquainted with the Bible. We invite your comments about this broadcast and welcome your questions related to the Word of God. Until next week, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.